You're listening to Season 6 of Mobile Suit Breakdown, a weekly podcast covering the entirety of sci-fi mega-franchise Mobile Suit Gundam. For new fans, old fans, and not yet fans, we analyze all 43 years of Gundam, episode by episode and movie by movie, researching its influences, examining its themes, and discussing how each piece of the Gundam canon fits within the changing context in Japan and the world, from 1979 to today. This is episode 6.14, Somewhat Delightful, and we are your hosts. I'm Tom, a lifelong Gundam fan, and I'm as eager as you are to get back to more familiar Gundam territory. And I'm Nina, new to SD Gundam no longer. Woo! Mobile Suit Breakdown is made possible by the support of 610 patrons and subscribers. Thank you all, and special thanks to our newest supporters, Braven G, Blunderdome, Gratis Winter, and Anthony P.A. Listener support is what keeps the lights on and the Gundam takes flowing. If you enjoy this podcast, consider supporting us today by becoming a subscriber on Patreon, making a one-time payment on Ko-fi, buying us research materials from our wishlist, or reviewing us wherever you listen to podcasts. Links to all of the different ways to support us are on our website, gundampodcast.com support. This marks the end of season six. We will talk about our between seasons break and what to expect in season seven at the end of the episode. Thank you for joining us on what may have seemed like a bit of a detour from the regular Gundam content that you know and love for this obscure little corner of the franchise. Of course, it's really only obscure from our perspective here in 2022 in the United States, but uh, we know this was a season that was difficult for many of you to follow along with. So thank you to all of you for listening. And we're all excited to move on, to go back to Tomino Gundam, to experience F91 and everything that comes after it. But before we do that, let's take a little while to look back on Season 6 and SD Gundam. I'm going to list everything that we covered this season, though I think it's worth mentioning SD Gundam Mark 1, Parts 1 through 3, we covered in a previous season. But since we're doing a rundown of basically all of the SD so far, we will touch on those as we kind of go through our high level, what we liked, what we didn't like, (laughs) what was good, what was bad. Of the SD Gundam that we covered in season six, their release dates span from June 25th, 1989 to March 21st, 1991. Ready to jump in? I am so ready. So Mark One had a sort of silly retelling of first Gundam, had the rival hotels and the SD Olympics. It was mostly inoffensive, There were some occasional funny jokes. I think the term I'm going to be using to describe a lot of SD Gundam is mid. (laughs) A lot of it is pretty mid. Yeah. I would say from SD Gundam Mark 1, I think I would recommend people watch the first one, which is the sort of like punny, jokey retelling of the events of first Gundam, because it's really the only one of these SD shorts that fits into that mold. 
It's like the only one that is exactly what you would expect from SD Gundam. Um, and it's, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's inoffensive and it's occasionally pretty funny. I would also say, I think the threat of the Xeon Hotel, that one's pretty good. I would recommend people watch that one. SD Olympics is just kind of boring. And the like basic concept is executed better later on in other shorts. So eh, skip it. I'm not sure I felt like any of them was really worth a watch. I also wouldn't say avoid them. They're not definite skips for me, but they're also not must watches, <laughs> which is how I feel about most of SD Gundam. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> Mark two, part one is the Rolling Colony Affair, which I would say is a skip, actually. I mostly agree with that. I think if you're the sort of person who watches a TV show to enjoy it, you can go ahead and skip Rolling Colony Affair. If you want to be literate in Gundam, if you want to understand what people are talking about when they talk about Gundam, Rolling Colony Affair is one of the few SD Gundam shorts that has been watched by a lot of people and that gets talked about. Mm, okay. Plus, you're not going to get anything out of the repeated bop-ins later in SD Gundam if you don't watch Rolling Colony Affair. That being said, it's not very good. So... It's strange, it's creepily sexist and kind of gross. It establishes Woody Des as a joke, though, because Woody appears in the Rival Hotels short, but having him appear again here is like, okay, this is going to be a running gag. And then it stops running. This is one of the big problems with SD Gundam. They have this great joke and they don't realize how good it is. Mark II Part Two is Original Gundam Famous Scene Collection, which is puns on the names of episodes. Again, it's mildly funny. <laughs> but it's so short. It is. It's, what, a minute and a half, two minutes, something like that? The value for time proposition <laughs> on the original scene collection is so good. Because even though it's mid, as you said, the investment is so small. Mark II Part Three is Gundam Legend, which is uh, all JRPG adventure tropes, sort of a Dragon Quest thing going on. I really enjoyed the silliness of it and the nostalgia factor of, haha, this is just like an old video game. They flubbed the ending, but uh, most of the shorts do that. <laughs> I don't know. This one made me so angry at the end. Mm. And I just feel like the basic conceit of the fantasy adventuring party gets done better in Gaiden. But in Gaiden, it's not explicitly a video game. I know, it's just I know. fantasy y. Anyway. I, I can't recommend it. That's, Too much rage. That's fair. SD Gundam's Counterattack Part 1 is the school festival battle, uh, punks versus preps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty meh on the plot as a whole, but I love the character depictions, all the delinquent versions of a bunch of the mobile suits and characters, uh, not to mention the introduction of this particular version of Chris, where she's super violent <laughs> and aggressive. And she goes on to become one of my favorite SD characters of the humans. So even though like Woody Des, she is tragically underutilized. But she does make an additional appearance. No, she does. You're right. Yeah, I would recommend this one. Uh, the other part of SD Gundam's counterattack is the Sky Castle chapter. This is the first of the 
Musha Sengoku Gundam adventures. With the prophecy and with the castle Abawaku appearing out of nowhere. And fighting over who gets to put the Shachihoko roof decoration onto the roof of the castle. I would recommend both of these personally. And this was really the first moment at which SD Gundam started to feel really fun. I would also recommend this one. I love the Sengoku redesigns. I'm just kind of a sucker for that stuff. I love the tokusatsu-style character intros. <laughs> Although they're not terribly accessible to most non-Japanese fans, I loved the map puns with all of the Gundam-based renamings of different parts of the map. This one had good energy. The fight scene was fun. While I agree with you that this is when SD started to feel kind of worth our time, <laughs> thinking back on it from this remove, this is also the point where I started wondering, how is it so many of these shorts have bits or jokes that I really like, but so few of them manage to reach my, I really liked this mm. media responsometer. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many of them where I remember like, oh, I loved that gag or that design or that joke. And so few of them where I think I liked that whole cartoon. SD Gundam Mark III Parts 3 to 6 were the super limited Sengoku shorts. I really enjoyed these. These hit the really enjoyed <laughs> part of the meter. There's something inherently funny about all those super limited techniques, about <laughs> seeing the uh, obvious shortcuts and tricks and little methods that they used to keep the animation super limited that I find very enjoyable, actually. It doesn't fit our perceptions of quality for animation, but for a comedic series, I think it works really well. I think I liked these a little bit less than you did, um, but, you know, value for time. And these ones introduced Onmitsu, the ninja. Right, right. Who <laughs> is yeah, just a constant <laughs> source of humor. The one of these super limited shorts that I really enjoyed is Onmitsu versus the Hambrabi Ninja. Onmitsu returns in Mark III Part Two, the ninja battle in Zoom City, which I would also recommend. I think this is one of the better ones. That one was quite fun. SD Gundam Mark III Part One is Space Thief Shar versus the Space Rangers. Once again, some fun characterizations. This is absolutely the best Cat Camille. <laughs> in all of the SD Gundam so far. Flying around in space, waving the fish and just going, meh, 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 konya, konya, konya. Exactly. Angry Cat Camille <laughs> bludgeoning people with a large fish. It's amazing. And this is the return of Angry Chris. And Angry Chris zipping around, smashing ships with a baseball bat. But it's very skippable. When I was looking back on these episodes, I found this one to be very forgettable. But the more I looked at screenshots and thought about it, the more I remembered liking it. So I'm kind of torn on this one. I'm going to call it a maybe. Now we come to SD Gundam Gaiden, which I suspect is the one we are going to disagree the most strongly about. Oh, ho, ho. I think the entirety of SD Gundam Gaiden is very skippable. Unless you are really into old school high fantasy, and maybe then it's just that much more disappointing. I don't know. <laughs> I I found the story pretty bland and uninteresting. There's the anti-Semitic imagery. There are fun armors and outfits. 
SD Gundam's strongest point is its design in basically every episode. <laughs> I think you're going to be shocked to learn that I basically agree with that. Uh. I think SD Gundam Gaiden is pretty trite and boring, but it's carried along by some absolute banger designs. Yeah. Like most of SD, but gosh, it's real strong here. Um, they shouldn't have done four episodes. They shouldn't have done 20 minute long episodes for these. They did not have enough ideas to bear them out, but those designs. And how can we forget the Jim Henson family? And their ball and their dog. Ball. We'll talk about our actual specific favorite designs in a moment, but I have a list of what I think of as the standout good SD Gundam designs. And the ones from Gaiden are just like a paragraph. There's probably 20 in there. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go through all of them. Um, but Gaiden is full of great designs. So buy the gunpla. Don't watch the show. Put a pin in that, because I'm gonna come back to that idea when we address listener questions after this. SD Gundam Mark IV Part 1 is the rival travel agencies. The introduction of Office Lady Kubele. <laughs> I consider this one a watch. The non-SD portions are beautifully animated. It's a more interesting and kind of experimental feeling story than a lot of the SD up until this point, that they sort of shift into some different reality or different dimension. Realizing that you're Watching the story of First Gundam, but from a different perspective, is a fun little surprise. Some of the jokes are very funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I liked it. I just wish my late wife could have watched it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good one. And so is the back half of Mark IV. Yeah, this is the wacky races alike, which we both quite enjoyed. And... Uh, it's a shame that <laughs> it's never going to get a real release. Well, copyright doesn't last forever. Yet. Hmm. So hopefully it will eventually be available in 50 years or whatever. <laughs> if we're still podcasting in 50 years. So yeah, Mark IV, both parts, really good. Watch them. If you have to watch any SD Gundam, that one comes with the MSB seal of approval. As does, for me... SD Gundam Mark V. This is the one that includes the moving company, the art thieves. It was one of my favorites. In a whole run of SD where I liked the characterizations, this one was particularly strong. The art quality is significantly better than a lot of the other SD shorts, so if that's something that puts you off the other ones, this one, the art and animation quality is higher. The style is great. It actually has a story that I find enjoyable and interesting. Thumbs up. Yeah, this one feels like a successor to the travel agency one in a lot of good ways. Then there's the three parts of Picadienta Poresu. Which you were just over the moon for. You loved those. Yes, I was effusive <laughs> when we covered it not long ago. SD feels like the perfect medium to tell this kind of weird little story to say, I'm going to do a story with no dialogue. I'm going to do a very simple design with an extremely limited color palette. Or what if the mobile suits were all blobby aliens? It's the ideal place to take some chances with both stories 
and design and animation technique. And I'd love to see more of that. Mark V also included the Ghostbusters Sengoku short, which, while I liked it, I felt like on the whole, it was the weakest of the full-length Sengoku shorts. Not as good as Ninja Battle, not as good as Sky Castle. Agreed. The first part of it, where the various groups are investigating the town and they uncover the Zakos with their... <laughs> with the ghost. Yeah, exactly. That was really good. But from that point on, I think it's pretty weak. The whole, like, minecart chase didn't do it for me. Still, if you like the Sengoku stuff, if you like SD, I think that one's good enough. Watch it. From here, should we get into listener questions? All right, let's dive into listener questions and comments. First up, we had a comment earlier in the season on our Patreon from Mark S. mentioning that while he knows books, MOOCs, spin-off media are all outside the podcast's remit, in the specific case of SD Gundam Mark IV, its depiction of the one-year war using 0080 designs felt to him like a companion piece to the art book MS Era, which did exactly the same thing, but in a straight-faced documentary journalism style. MS Era is one of, if not my absolute favorite of all the various Gundam side materials, and we are fortunate enough to have a copy of it here in the studio, on loan from Gordon at the Gundam Book Club podcast. Mark also pointed out MS Era was published about six months before the release of SD Gundam Mark IV, so there could certainly be an influence on it. And I think that that is true. In an interview mostly about 0080, the Sunrise producer Uchida Kenji, who was the producer both for 0080 and for MS Era and for SD Gundam Mark IV, said that MS Era was basically Izubuchi Yutaka's project. He wanted to do it, he was the driving force behind it, but that there were a few other animators from 0080 who wanted to keep drawing. They wanted to keep drawing 0080 style stuff, and so they put together this photo book, uh, MS Era. Now, there were also some animators from 0080 who worked on SD Gundam Mark IV, but it's not the same group of animators who are working on MS Era, except that Izubuchi Yutaka is credited for cooperating on those real-type mobile suit designs. So while the artists are different, the sort of driving creative force for both projects was the same person. Well, there you have it. Mark S. also wanted to know what our respective favorite mobile suits are. And I think while we address this, we should also talk about our favorite SD versions of human characters, if you have any. I do, I do. I suspect my list of favorite mobile suits is shorter than yours, <laughs> so I'm gonna go first. At the very top of my list are probably the Zako. I love the design of the Zako. It is so charming and cute and funny to me. The Picurienta versions of mobile suits, I feel like ought to be plushies. I want a stuffed animal <laughs> of a Picurienta mobile suit. They're just little guys, Nina. They're squishy little guys. The moving guy, Agugai. And the Agugai has long been a favorite of mine, but the moving guy, Agugai, is something special. Office Lady Kubele, where her big old pauldrons become shoulder pads and... Oh, yeah, it's too good. And because I know I've mentioned how much I like the Sengoku designs, uh, after the Zako, probably my favorite is the Sengoku Nu, mm. whose bits become a kind of very decorative fancy cape. 
Which is also true in Gaiden, actually. They always use the bits as a sort of cool back decoration, which I quite enjoy. No love for the Nisei Gundam? Oh. He came here to make friends, but you will not be his friend. I often have trouble answering these kind of questions because I assume people are talking about the visual design. If we're talking about the character and personality, then yeah, of course Nisei Gundam is in there. But the visual design of the Nisei Gundam is fine. I didn't look at the Nisei Gundam and go, oh my gosh, that's so cool. But every time Nisei Gundam opens its mouth, I'm like, oh baby, (laughs) I'll be your friend. I'm sorry, I'm just imagining the Nisei Gundam yelling, Nina is cruel. Nuh-uh, because I would take Nisei Gundam to Coney Island and we would ride roller coasters together and they'd be like, I finally have a friend, this is amazing. Yeah, but I like how it looks. (laughs) All right, so my list is longer, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. (laughs) Is Nisei Gundam on it? Yes. Okay. Because if you were giving me heck. I walk the walk, Nina. Okay, just making sure. So judo with the crab claws. Kani, Kani, Kani. Wait, we're doing humans too? You said we were doing humans too. Right, but I was going to do mobile suits and humans separately. I thought you just didn't like any of the humans. False. All right. Then I'm just going to do mobile suits. We'll come back to Kani, Kani. Okay. And I'm not going to say any of the ones Nina mentioned. Just assume I like them too, because I do. <laughs> Except for the new. I don't like it. Mm. Hmm. That's always been true. I've always liked the new, and you've always disliked it in every iteration, every time it exists. (laughs) Actually, with the Sengoku designs, I really feel like most of the actual Gundams are pretty boring. I like the samurai design aesthetic, but the real standouts in the Sengoku shorts are the background characters. Like, for example, the three evil Kunoichi, the Kubile, the Hamahama, and the Palace Athena. Or which uh, which mobile suit is the Shogundam? Because they gave him a mustache, <laughs> and giving a mobile suit a mustache is just incredible. Top tier design. Yeah, I also like the mustache Gundam. The stagehand Mark II's from the high school short. Punk Haro, also oh my from gosh, the high school Punk short. Punk Haro, how did I forget Punk Haro? The Moneybags Hyakushiki from Rigazi the Shipper. And finally, the baby demon from SD Gundam Gaiden. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Baby Satan. Also, the Kempfer and the Queen Mansa designs for Gaiden are phenomenal, even if they're only on screen for like 10 seconds total. Now tell me of your human favorites. Chris, obviously. I slightly prefer the Space Ranger version because I like their Barbarella-esque onesie (laughs) and fishbowl helmet they put her in and the zipping around just like beating the outsides of ships and mobile suits with a bat. Ghost Lala stirring up trouble in the school festival Uh, and Cat Camille. Gosh, Cat Camille. (laughs) And so many of those, it's because of how different they are from their portrayals in the main show, that the, yes, the yes. contrast is so stark that it's shocking and funny. But there is an element of kind of truth in it. Chris does hit someone with a baseball bat. Through the entire rest of 0080, she's very calm, collected, quiet, gentle-seeming, 
But she does have that ability to be violent and aggressive. And, you know, when she's in that final fight with Bernie at the end of 0080, like there's a moment when you see just the hint of a smile on her face. There's a part of her that enjoys the fighting. And while it never quite feels the same in the mainline stories, there are moments, especially I think in Char's counterattack, where it feels like Lala is stirring up trouble. Oh, yeah. She's just floating around in that new type void, thinking up ways to make Amaro and Char miserable. What can she say to ruin their entire day? And there are aspects of Camille's personality that are like a cat, where he acts indifferent and then wants people to be close to him and be kind to him and then pushes people away and is disinterested and then interested and then <laughs> disinterested again. There's that kernel of truth to it, even though it feels starkly different. And even though the person who created Cat Camille had never watched Zeta and didn't know. This is sort of the thing about the shotgun approach that SD Gundam has here. There are so many characters, there are so many ideas being thrown out, that the ones that don't work don't stick. And the ones that do work do. <laughs> All right. And for you, human characters, you already mentioned Judo. Also, Machine Gun Lena from the school short. I think Knight Amaro is not a very interesting character, but good designs. I prefer the Sela version. Valkyrie Sela? Heck yeah. And Fairy Kika. Oh, yes. How Yeah. See what I'm saying? There are so many times when I just flat out forgot even some of my favorite parts of the SD shorts. <laughs> I loved Fairy Kika. It is a very cute design. The next question, Ethan asks, if y'all were going to assemble a TTRPG style, that's tabletop role-playing game, adventure party consisting of mobile suits and or pilots from shows you have covered thus far, which ones would you get and which class, for example, fighter, wizard, thief, would you assign to each? I would want Chris as my barbarian, moving guy Agugai as a thief because he sneaks into that vault. Somehow, past four doors and two security guards, he gets into the vault. Excellent thieving. The Sazabi from the travel agency one as a bard. He's got that guitar. One assumes he knows how to play. <laughs> <laughs> and the Gaiden version of Lala as my wizard. Mm. I like dark sorceress Lala, even though she makes the briefest of appearances and doesn't get to do much. I'm going to take a slightly different approach. We've covered three shows, a movie, and an OVA thus far, so I'm going to construct an adventuring party with one character from each. Uh, in the front line, I've got bad-tempered old-type Giradoga ace Resin Schneider from Shar's Counterattack who I think is a natural pick for a fighter. You just really like resin and <laughs> want resin in more stuff. Look, I've been given an opportunity to construct a party full of characters, and I'm going to choose characters who I think did not get a fair shake in their original media. Characters who I want to see more of. I'm also going to pick uh, Chris McKenzie as my barbarian. <laughs> Can't do better than that, especially after she's depicted as a bat-wielding virago in SD. Virago? A violent woman. Nice. Also a domineering woman or a bad-tempered woman. Even better. In the support roles from Zeta, I'm taking Astanaji, because with his combination of mecha repair and emotional mentoring, I see him as a natural fit as a cleric. 
Double Zeta is chock full of characters who didn't get a proper opportunity to shine, but I'm gonna have to go with my favorite, Elviano as a ranger. Her animal companion? A ferocious wild beecha. <laughs> and of course, you cannot have an adventuring party without a wizard, Nina acknowledged that as well, and I'm interpreting that to mean a new type. Lala is the easy pick, but since I'm trying to choose characters who are underappreciated and that sure is not Lala, I'm going to go with one of the few new types in First Gundam who does fit my criteria, the new type, Shalia Bull. I anticipated your answer by two seconds. <laughs> Scott H. asks, if you could take an SD version of a pilot and or mobile suit and insert them into a non-SD Gundam show for your own personal entertainment, which would it be and why? For me, the answer loops around to what I had already said about some of my favorite human characters in the SD versions. Imagine Zeta with Cat Camille instead of its standard Camille. Well, okay, that was the answer I prepared too, so <laughs> give me a minute to think. It's the version where instead of spending the entirety of Zeta going, leave Camille alone, you meanies, you get to see Camille get some of his own back. Yeah, I don't think I can do better than that. We are unanimous. Joni had a question about audio, whether we noticed uh, sound design or production quality changes throughout SD Gundam, that we did talk about insert music a lot more, and whether we know more about what influenced the sound design choices for SD Gundam. Joni also wondered if we have any predictions or thoughts about what future Gundam series might sound like. Familiarity and repetition is always helpful when you're trying to understand something more deeply or notice more about it. And part of why we noticed the insert music more as SD went on is because they reused a lot of music, which didn't bother me. In the same way that repeating gags sort of changes their tone and also makes them funnier, Reusing the music would create funny cross associations between different SD shorts because they weren't even just reusing music within the same genre or world necessarily. Sometimes it would uh, kind of cross dimensions and appear in very different shorts and add to the humor because of our you know, funny memories or associations from previous shorts. SD Gundam was also different from the prior shows in that there were two different composers handling the music, and there were two different directors overseeing the episodes. So the actual people making the decisions about what an episode is going to sound like are not consistent in the way that they were in prior shows. I also know that around this time they started selling a lot of like tie-in CDs, audio dramas, and releases of these insert songs as commercial music releases. I don't know which was driving which. Were they creating the music for SD Gundam and then getting some extra money by selling it on the side? Or was this music getting made anyway and they were given instructions to put it in SD to help sell it? I don't know which of those it was, but there was definitely a, a multi-pronged media strategy around SD Gundam. Comics, toys, music, and the anime. As for what it's going to sound like in the future, one of the striking things about SD Gundam's music is that it feels very of the moment. 
That was going to be my speculation, too, uh, mostly from an entirely practical and business perspective, that at any given time, if you want the music to connect with your audience, one of the most surefire ways to do that is to make sure your music sounds like the pop music of the time. And I think we're going to see more of that. And I think we're going to see a greater integration between the merchandising side and the soundtrack. That we're going to hear a lot more music that is independently commercially viable. More popular bands, more idols, more pop music. Adam asks, how do you think the humor of the SD Gundam shorts compares with the admittedly sparse moments of comedy in the mainline Gundam series? And Scott W. asks the closely related question, what do you think of Gundam as a comedy? This was interesting to think about for me because I'm basically thinking about what purpose humor serves in different genres. When you insert moments of humor into a drama, you are breaking up tension. You're creating a release for dramatic tension or a brief moment of humor because constant sadness or constant anger can lose some of their impact if they're not broken up occasionally by moments of happiness, humor, optimism. <laughs> and while I don't vividly remember all the specifics of all the narrative beats of the previous series we covered, for the most part, it felt like they did that. There were some occasional, I remember, comedy moments that felt out of place or like they didn't totally work. But by and large, it felt like they used comedic moments to break up the seriousness and the high stakes of the story as a whole. Whereas most of the SD Gundam shorts, but not all of them, are explicitly comedies. And so the jokes, the humor, are the point. And in some ways, this made me much more critical of the humor in SD Gundam, because if that's the point, I expect it to be funny. And so if I don't find it funny, it has failed entirely at its purpose. <laughs> For me, anyway. They didn't achieve the emotional reaction that in theory, they were going for. As for Gundam as a comedy, while well, we've discussed how the SD comedy can be kind of hit and miss, but did have its high points and was quite funny, uh, I suspect it could work even better with an original storyline and original characters. I doubt they will ever do such a thing because it goes so much against the grain of the mainline series, but I can imagine a comedy series about mecha pilots. In the fandom, we get so much good comedy out of making fun of these very serious people and their very serious struggles. But I don't know that that is a thing that an official production could ever manage to do well. That requires the kind of anarchic mocking tone of the audience. Bippity Jones writes... It was mentioned a while back that a lot of people were first exposed to SD Gundam as kids, before getting into Gundam proper. How do you think the show would have changed if you started with SD, then went chronological? And I assume they mean show, like our podcast show, in mm -hmm. that case. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, sorry. <laughs> uh, we wouldn't have made the podcast. <laughs> because you would have watched it and been like, I'm not interested in doing this for 20 years? That and also... 
One of the pivotal moments in deciding to go forward with the podcast project was watching the first few episodes of First Gundam and thinking, ooh, I can see that this show has a lot to dig into. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that I want to talk about. I would not have had that reaction to SD Gundam without seeing other Gundams first. I would have said, this is kind of interesting, but I don't think there's enough here for us to make a podcast about. In the hypothetical situation where we do actually still make the podcast after starting with SD Gundam, I think both of us would expect more variety out of Gundam. It would be kind of surprising to see a single storyline in a single universe with basically the same set of characters carried through for three shows and a movie. We would expect more new ideas, more alternate universes to go off in different directions. And that sure is going to get paid off soon. So look forward to it in, I don't know, two years? Is that soon? The final group of questions are about SD more generally. Steve B. asks, what Hanna-Barbera cartoon would you homage if you were making SD Gundam shorts? Steve also says that he would probably go for Super Friends, but is curious to know our thoughts. To prep for this question, I had to look up Hanna-Barbera cartoons because I couldn't necessarily remember which ones were and which ones were not Hanna-Barbera, and uh, was reminded of an old favorite from my early childhood, and that is Johnny Quest, which could be very fun (laughs) as an SD. The other one that could be very amusing would be the Jetsons, (laughs) because... The Jetsons is all retro-futurist, imagining what if we had machines to do almost everything for us. Gundam is also about imagining futures and imagining future technology and life in space. And it becomes this sort of recursive, like, what if you used Gundam characters from the sci-fi series to make jokes about depictions of life in space and what we imagine about the future? Mm. Could be cool. I can see it. As Nina kind of hinted back when we were talking about Scooby-Doo, I haven't actually seen that many Hanna-Barbera shows because of the peculiarities of my upbringing. But in looking over their, frankly, astonishingly long list of productions, I can't help but notice how many of them are like remixes of established characters or even real people into new settings. They didn't make one Harlem Globetrotters cartoon. They made three and a special where they cross over with Snow White. There was Josie and the Pussycats and Josie and the Pussycats in space. A lot of their projects are framed as like one famous character plus a crew like Casper and the Angels, Frankenstein Jr. and the Impossibles, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels, and so on. Plus, I am a sucker for metafiction projects with a show within a show. So what I would do is an in-universe animated TV show produced by the Federation for propaganda in order to restore faith in the government and the military after the Dublin colony drop during the first Neo-Zeon War, but before Shar's counterattack. This show would be called Amuro and the Shangri-Lads. Oh my god. It would feature Amuro Ray along with the members of the Gundam team who didn't fly off to Jupiter. 
And every episode, Captain Bright Noah would show up at the end to teach them a valuable life lesson. Fabulous. Very wants to know, based on its development thus far, how do you think the SD sub-franchise is going to continue evolving? What kind of changes or lack thereof do you want to see? What do you not want to see but fear is going to happen anyway? And related, Tasha A. asks, Knowing that there's more SD coming in MSB's future, what are some mobile suits or characters you'd like to see get the SD treatment? And SD has introduced some settings that wildly diverge from the general trappings of Gundam so far. Are there any other settings or genre conventions you'd like to see SD Gundam series explore? Since I actually know where SD Gundam is going to go after this, I'm going to beg off of answering most of this question. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I will say that I think it's at its best when it's being experimental and trying out new things and doing different genre pastiches. I would love to see an SD Gundam noir detective story. I would love to see SD Gundam Star Trek. I'd like to see more crossovers with other mecha properties. They did Pat Labor at one point. They should do more of that. And they should put the Zacrello in every episode. Yes. Come on, people! The Zacrello and Woody. Even if he just pops up in the end credits. Woody does. <laughs> in terms of changes I'd like to see, I'd like to just see it be more funny and more experimental, more strange, take more chances. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get any of that. I also fear but expect that we're going to get a certain amount of sexist, racist, and other punching down humor. I hope we won't, but I kind of assume it will be there. In terms of characters or mobile suits, I want to see ghost cats. We get a lot of ghostly women. I want to see a dude ghost. (laughs) Cats get killed. Why doesn't cats get to be a ghost and haunt SD Gundam forever? In terms of genre conventions, I'd like to see them explore. Give us a Western. Give us a musical. (laughs) Do a jokey black and white family drama riffing on Ozu's movies. Do one of those, like, really schlocky blood and guts Yakuza movies from the 70s. Yeah! That would be amazing. JF Newtype wants to know, why do we think SD Gundam hasn't been licensed in America? Gundam didn't start getting officially licensed in the U.S. until the 2000s. And the first stuff to come over and get licensed over here was, like, top-tier popular stuff. Even a mainline show like Double Zeta didn't get licensed until just a couple of years ago. So I think there's still a chance that SD Gundam will be licensed in the future, but I think it's a slim chance because there are a lot of things in this show that have not aged well. And it's obscure enough that I can't imagine the market to buy it is big enough to justify what it would cost to license it, and certainly not what it would cost to... um expurgate all the bad bits. Yeah, we addressed the copyright issues as they came up. We talked about the context of some of the jokes. On top of that, when SD was popular in Japan, and it's still popular, but when it was really peak popular, extremely popular in Japan, there was so much merchandising both to support the cartoons and to benefit by them. 
comics and CDs and gotcha and kits and plastic toys and, and, and. And without the merchandising to benefit from it, there's much less incentive to even bother putting it out there. And they did just release a new, updated, remastered version on Blu-ray that looks really good over in Japan. So they're still willing to put money behind this project. But every time it comes out, it is a limited edition because the target demographic has changed dramatically. When it came out, there's good reason to think it was aimed at kids, young people who were reading the comics and buying the toys. Now its primary value is as a historical artifact. Nostalgia factor for grown adults who watched it when they were kids. And there's basically nobody in the U.S. who has that nostalgia for it. It also fights the current treatment and perception of Gundam in the United States. Gundam is largely acknowledged to be a serious drama that the series deal with violence and its effects on people, with war, with heavy topics. And I don't see the American Gundam fandom reacting positively to a widely available SD Gundam release. No. No, I don't. And it also wouldn't grab new Gundam fans because it's too weird and it's too enmeshed in like pre-existing Gundam characters. I'm, I don't think it has as much value if you're not watching it thinking, haha, that's a funny depiction of so-and-so. If these were totally new characters to you, if you had never seen any other Gundam before, I just think it wouldn't be as interesting to watch. <laughs> And for what it's worth, they have other SD projects going now. They haven't stopped making them. They have other things that are tied into currently available merchandise that are targeting that youth demo. They don't need this one. And Tom can't answer this, obviously, but I expect the new projects are written and designed so as to be more independent from old Gundam series. Tom sips water pointedly. Hmm. Matthew B. asks, After watching this chunk of SD Gundam, what was the most surprising thing about it for each of you? Positive or negative? I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but bear with me. On the positive side... I had heard very little about SD before going into it, but the impression I had from what I had seen and heard was that most American fans didn't like it. They thought it was terrible, waste of time, pretend it doesn't exist. So I expected it to be really bad. Uh, and it wasn't. Not on the level that I expected. The counterpoint to that being, as we researched and watched it and learned more about it, I was surprised to learn about just how popular it was, its sort of explosive, runaway popularity in Japan, when it feels so middling in terms of its qualities, <laughs> for the most part. So yeah, neither as bad as I expected, nor good enough to justify its apparent popularity at the time, in my opinion. I was most surprised to learn how extensive the world of SD Gundam was outside of these shorts. 
I had been expecting that like most of the Gundam we have seen before, this was going to be a case of the anime leading the way and sort of carrying in its wake various spin-offs and side stories and tie-ins and merchandising opportunities. When really, it's the other way around. The merchandising, the side stories, the manga, that was the driving force for SD Gundam. And the anime was just there, in the wake, trying to capitalize on the massive success of this project. And people at Sunrise talked about feeling kind of insecure and inadequate because of this, because they felt like they were losing control of Gundam, that the most popular Gundam at the time was something that they really had nothing to do with. And that feeling of jealousy is going to motivate a lot of decisions that they're going to make in the early 90s. Next time on Season 7, Episode 1. That's right. After this, we're going to be starting our between seasons hiatus of indeterminate length and preparing to cover Gundam F91. But before we can cover the movie itself, we will need to talk about the animated short film that accompanied it. So, we'll see you all next time on Mobile Suit Breakdown Episode 7.1. SD Gundam is dead. Long live SD Gundam. This served no purpose, but nevertheless. Mobile Suit Breakdown is written, recorded, and produced by us, Nina and Tom, in scenic New York City, within the ancestral and unceded land of the Lenape people, and made possible by listeners like you. The opening track is Wasp by Misha Dioxin. The closing music is A Long Way Home by Spinning Ratio. You can find links to the sources for our research, the music used in the episode, additional information about the Lenape people, and more in the show notes and on our website, GundamPodcast.com. You can get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram at GundamPodcast, or by email to GundamPodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. I don't know, Nina, is it ever going to be safe to share wrong Gundam opinions with the world again? Wrong opinions like... The problem with doozy bots was that they were trying to follow the market instead of leading. American children of the early 90s didn't need another show about radical teens fighting to protect the abstract notion of fun. What they needed was a team of cats. Cat Camille, Cat Cats, and I'm thinking Cat Kakrakon Kakuler in the SD Sengoku era setting, struggling maybe to deliver piping hot pizzas. We'll call it Musha Pizza Cats. It's a guaranteed success. If people don't share wrong Gundam opinions like that, then they're just going to keep building up inside until something terrible happens. Feels as though it's been a long time, even though it hasn't. It's just that so much has happened in the intervening week. Yes. SD Gundam Mark IV, two parts. One of which is forbidden. I always vaguely think about, so there's this thing in New York where you actually make a bounty if you report an idling truck and it actually gets ticketed, like mm-hmm, they give mm-hmm. you money. <laughs> I, always, I always think about it, but there aren't actually that many trucks that idle on our street.
Should we just start by talking about our uh, our favorites, our highlights? Oh, I was going to go through them briefly, like single sentence, establish what happened in them. Oh, do you, then... do you not? Do people just not remember off the tops of their heads? I'm kidding. Obviously, that's a good idea. Let's just do that. Me and Tom's brains work in precisely the opposite way, which is to say, Tom remembers all kinds of minutiae after only reading or watching or talking about something once. My brain unloads information immediately. Oh, we're done talking about it? Okay, I don't need this anymore. Forget entirely. Which uh, makes (laughs) prep for stuff like this a little more taxing for me. (laughs) have some thoughts about that, but I think they actually get answered in my response to one of the listener questions, so I'm going to hold off. Moneybags, Yakushiki from the Rigazi the Sheep, from the Rigazi the Sheeper, Sheeper, Rigazi the Sheeper. Flat, Clab Claw, Crab Claw Judo. can't tell if you're just being silly or if you're not familiar with the current use of the term golden retriever boyfriend. I could have that wrong. I'm cough, cough, cough age, but (laughs) it's too old to be completely up on the current slang. We had some good talk in there. Yeah, we did. Oh, I'm so out of practice. Oh, it's been a week and I'm out of practice. Oh, 